Hey guys, it's Jacqueline. So today I'm going to be interviewing Larissa. And Larissa is a student at Ryerson that I actually didn't meet at Ryerson. We met because we both worked at the same part-time job. So first, Larissa, I just wanted to get like a brief introduction from you. Tell me about your role at Ryerson. Tell me about what you do at Ryerson. At Ryerson, I'm a master's student in the program Environmental Applied Science and Management. It's like the longest title and I always mess it up. Um, doing my Master's of Applied Science and I'm just about finished, so it's very exciting. I'm part of the Land and Water Resources Group. It's led by Dr. Christopher Wellen and that's pretty much all I've got going on right now. Awesome. So I just wanted to talk more about where you grew up and your hometown, previous schooling, because I know you are not originally from Toronto. Yeah, so I'm from Winnipeg, good old Winnipeg, Manitoba. Um, <laughs> I went to University of Manitoba for my undergrad. I got a Bachelor of Science in Physical Geography, a minor in Environmental Science. Nice. I took like six and a half years to finish it. I changed my degree multiple times and ended up with so many extra courses, but here we are. That's yeah. something I think that I was most interested in. You know, I'm born and raised in Toronto and the majority of people I know go to university in Ontario. And I feel like in Ontario, it's a thing that people really just want to do their four years and get out. And not as many people are open to another year of university but like you were saying like it's a normal thing in Manitoba to do an extra two extra years isn't it yeah I mean there's there's tons of people that I personally know that uh, whether they did like an exchange to another I don't know country like, I have a friend mm -hmm. who went to Europe and took two years there but that added two years onto his degree. So he also took six years. There's situations like that that are pretty common. I also have a lot of friends like similar to me that changed degrees halfway through um, or ended up finishing their degree and then starting a whole new one. So they're graduating all six, even seven years after high school. I guess it helps when tuition is a lot lower over there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's weird because I think I think in my first like two or th I think even in my first three years of university, I was on track to do something totally different than like environmental sciences. And it wasn't until I started actually meeting people and like talking about what they want to do that I changed my mind. So had I not like, I guess, taken extra courses and extra time and like talked to people in my classes, I actually probably wouldn't have switched. Yeah. And I also wanted to talk about how things are your first year doing university in Manitoba and basically how you're looking over like multiple subjects rather than just focusing right on your major. Yeah, I think like that's one thing that I, I remember when I was in my first year for my undergrad, I remember thinking, wow, this is so lame. But then halfway, I don't know, maybe towards the end of that first year, I realized that having like one general program uh, it's called university one where everybody that enters university enters in this program and it's just for the one year you take any course from any faculty there's no restrictions obviously you just need like a prerequisite but as long as it's an intro course you can take it and the idea is to help students figure out what they want to do so you're not like cornered into okay well I applied to the faculty of science when I was 
17 or 18 and three years later I decide I actually don't like this anymore and I had never tried it so it kind of lets you like try a bunch of different things and it still counts towards your first year of your degree as long as you take all like you know the intro courses so I I remember when I was in it, I hated it and everyone thought it was such a waste of time. But then looking back, it was like that year where I was able to take a bunch of different things that I started taking like my first environmental science course. And then like here I was like two years later, like, oh, I remember in my first year, I really liked that course. Like maybe I'll take the (laughs) second one. And then that all changed my whole like university path. Yeah, Yeah, it definitely sounds really helpful. And it's something that I wish maybe Ontario universities could do too, because first year, second year, it's a lot and you're figuring out a lot of things. So it would have been a nice thing to have. Yeah. And the other thing I feel like it depends on the high school you went to, like if you went to a high school with a really great say I don't know language program or you know Mm -hmm. English program you go to university it might not be that different but I just think that high schools are kind of vary and I think your experience could change so having all of your past experience in education coming from high school and then having to immediately apply into a program for the rest of your future it might be totally different and I don't think you've been exposed to like enough to really make that decision almost mm-hmm. some schools maybe they specialize in that subject so you have an idea that you know you like it but I think that that kind of really impact whether you're prepared to make that decision in your first year exactly yeah so I want to take it back way way back so what did you want to be when you were a kid what was your like <laughs> career what did you think you were going to do a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher for almost my whole life. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I could see you being a teacher. I could see you being a teacher. <laughs> oh, thanks. I remember in like elementary school, like helping all the kids around me. And I have a note from my like, grade four teacher. And she was like, you're going to be a great teacher when you grow up. I, that was like when I was young. That definitely changed as I was in like high school because I saw how terrible some students can be and really... <laughs> scared me from that so changed my mind awesome so let's talk I want to talk about your research and what you're doing at Ryerson what your research entails my research uh, I I have like a like a background in studying freshwater so my Mm -hmm. master's project looks at agricultural streams and looks at the isotope hydrology so I'm able to tell during an event like a like rain or when the snow melts, I'm able to look at the water and tell like how long it's been in that catchment for and how long it's been sitting there, how long it takes to get to a stream. And then I'll go further and kind of look at quality as well. And then I just want to talk about what you would say to your second year university self. If you could go back in (laughs) time and talk to your second year self, what's a piece of advice that you would give yourself? I guess back (laughs) in my second year, I was going through like a huge change. I thought I knew what I was going to university for, had a bit of a crisis, didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah, and then totally changed my mind the next year. And I think if I could have gone back to that year of my life, I would have told myself to not panic and it's okay. Like just take stuff that you think is fun because Mm -hmm. you could probably make something out of it. But also like take take that year and take classes but don't focus as much on the academics. I 
wish that I did intramurals. I didn't start playing intramurals at university until my second last year. And those were some of like my best memories, um, Mm. meeting people on the faculty and going and doing like the faculty funded events. I mean, we had so many good times and I met like one of my, well, I met, I met a lot of people. I met, I met a lot of really close people doing those things. So I almost just wish I started doing all that earlier. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And what about your most transferable skills? So from doing your undergrad, doing your master's at Ryerson, what, I don't know, let's say your top two skills or even just one skill that you would say are the most helpful while doing your undergrad or doing your master's? I guess it's like a skill that I think helped me and I used more than I thought I would, but mm-hmm. honestly, like being organized is my number one thing. I remember, so you go back to like elementary school and middle school and they tell you to use an agenda and they tell you to, you know, write things down and have your parents look at them and make sure you read them when you go home. And then you get to high school and you kind of don't do any of that because they don't force you to. And I, in my first few years of university, I relied on my phone. So I would put all of my exam dates and assignment dates in my phone and then broke my phone. And then realized I had no idea what anything was. So I started using an agenda and like packing my school bag the day before, making sure I had, I don't know, my charger in my bag the day before, like just being organized, I think has saved a lot of time in my life and panic and stress and last minute freak out. Oh, absolutely. I'm the same way. I I need to have everything color coordinated. I like to jot down everything. Otherwise, I just forget. I forget everything, even big details. I'm always forgetting. So I have to make sure that I remind myself by writing it down. I definitely agree yeah. with that. Being organized helps a lot. Yeah. And you know, like, I don't even know if I'm just like organized because I think it's useful or because that's my way of procrastinating. I like to think <laughs> it's just being useful, but I, I guess I don't know. Instead of studying for the exam, you're writing down a list of what I need to study. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. So, so I just wanted to talk about the transition. Uh, as we know, there's a pandemic going on right now, and it happened halfway through the school year. So I just wanted to ask you how that has impacted school life. How has it impacted things going on with your master's, as well as just your personal life? What are the challenges? You know, I feel like um, I was almost spoiled with all of the everything going on because not a whole lot actually changed for me. I guess by the time everything kind of shut down, I only had two classes left and it was like two two weeks of classes left and I was only in one class and he'd already canceled the last one. So I was kind of down to just, you know, like one online class and then don't have exams. I didn't have anything like that. My supervisor was on leave. I didn't really have a lot going on at on campus. So when everything shut down, it didn't really impact me a whole lot. I didn't really spend a whole lot of time um, at Ryerson to begin with. So that was okay for me. But then now everything is starting back up, maybe not like to a normal, not to the way it was before. But I think it's kind of impacting me more now. I'm hoping to graduate soon, which means I... I need to defend and you need to have my committee be available. But with the courses all having to be restructured to be online, it means that they're not as available as much or they may not be as available in the coming week. They extended the deadlines in the spring, but they're not doing it for the summer. It's kind of more now that I'm towards the end of my degree that I, I kind of need everyone to be 
ready and prepared, but we're still in this time of back and forth. Some stuff is functioning stuff, some stuff is not. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to defend online, but I'm not 100% certain. Our lab is opening again, but we're not allowed to actually use the computers like it's very all over the place and yeah I think now it's more stressful because I have a deadline and I need to know that everyone is able to kind of work together for me to have a defense I guess that's a problem that I think a lot of people in in my program are definitely facing right now but yeah I guess we'll see what happens yeah it's definitely frustrating it just so happens that you go through all this work and <laughs> at the end when you're about to graduate and it just like drops a bomb on you hard to sort of find your transition into things and figure things out but this leads me to the next point, have you found a silver lining in the pandemic and sort of everything that's happened during the few months? I mean, yeah, for sure. There's always like, you know, plus sides. I think that having everyone forced to find like a new normal kind of worked well for me. I had to stay home. I had hopes of traveling and spending tons of money. And I was forced not to. So where um, were you that planning was, on traveling? I was actually going to drive to the East Coast of Canada. Yeah, weirdly well, enough. Not I, nice now that you can't go. Yeah, but. no, no, I know. Yeah, I was, was going to go like on a camping trip east. It's really odd. I've been to the West Coast of Canada. I've been to the West Coast of the United States. I've been to the East Coast of the United States. I've been across the Atlantic, but I've never been to the East Coast of Canada. It's really weird. Um, But anyways, I was going to go there. But of course, all of that got cancelled. And I really don't know when or if we'll be able to go. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of like just this slot of timing that worked really well for me this year. But I, well, I guess instead I saved a bunch of money. So there's that. (laughs) Maybe that's the silver lining. You saved the money. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I just, um, it would have been nice. My significant other lived on the East Coast for, I think, seven, ten years, something like that, in New Brunswick. So, um, yeah, New Brunswick. So, and his family's from Quebec. So, we would have had a bunch of places along the way and stay and kind of meet those people. But, oh, well, we'll just say that saving money. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we'll just just say saving money was good. found the same saved a lot of money by not going out to eat as much and not shopping but yeah it would be nice to be on a vacation right now it would be really nice yeah I mean that's the thing like right so like our our work was just so busy I made so much money and I couldn't spend it even even shopping like you know normally when I study well okay I don't do this as much I'm a lot better now but you know (laughs) when I first got a credit card online shopping was just so tempting I would be studying and all of a sudden I would oh, I got an email, I must check. And then I would end up like spending money and shopping. But even during the pandemic, I hardly shopped for anything online because the wait times were just so unbearable. It'd be like, you'll get your package. Yeah, it's like, you'll get your package in 48 days. Yeah, I I waited a month for a pair of Lululemon leggings. (laughs) Oh, nice. And the offer never buying almost again. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't I didn't even buy anything. Like that whole time I bought like soap. Like I didn't buy anything. <laughs> My bank account loves me right now. Like oh, it yeah. loves me right now. <laughs> so let's switch over to some of the rapid fire questions. I love these. Oh gosh. Um, my favorite one. This is my favorite one. <laughs> Whenever I am editing the podcast or listening mm-hmm. to the podcast, I love this question. 
and it's what Uh-oh. factoid do my colleagues know least about me oh man and then this is supposed to be rapid but this is not <laughs> rapid okay okay i do know one i was afraid of dogs until like five years ago really yep see i was not of expecting that <laughs> this is is why this is my favorite question yeah I had some experiences recently with a aggressive dog that brought back a lot of bad memories interesting I feel like that's the case majority of the time for people that don't like dogs everyone that I know that doesn't like dogs they've always had some sort of traumatic experiences in the past with the dogs yeah that's you know it's weird like I I do like dogs now but I think when I was younger, I like I was was around my sister's friends a lot. They're all much older. So I was super small in comparison to them. Mm-hmm. And I just remember this one time when I was a kid, we were playing on my sister's like friends trampoline in her backyard because we all like danced together. So I knew them all anyways. And I here I was like, a, I don't know, three foot kid or maybe four feet, I guess that's quite small. But I was probably like four <laughs> feet tall. I was like maybe eight years old and she had a huge husky and it was oh, a puppy I guess it was I guess it's probably like maybe nine months old so it was super energetic but also almost adult sized yeah. so when it when it jumped it literally was taller than me and it tackled me in her backyard and Yay. I like sliced my leg open on oh. the edge of the trampoline it was just it was really bad so yeah I there was I had a lot of experiences like that, you know? Yeah, that <laughs> They was, just really that wanted was... to play with me. And I was I was their size, so it didn't work very well for me. But, wow, that's so uh, interesting. Because you just yeah. take me, because I know you have a cat, so you just take me to yeah. the type of person that just loves all animals. Yeah. You know, like I do now, like I loved, like I really want a dog. I just, I used to be afraid of them, and I really didn't like most of them until, yeah, just not, not too long ago. Like, yeah, probably like five, six years ago, I was a, just like done high school and I finally was like okay with them yeah Alrighty. move on to our next question so what famous person it could be someone current someone that's already passed would you most like to go to dinner with and why you know you'd think that like this answer would be so easy but I feel like now that I have to answer it I can't think of anyone and Um, I'm the same way I still don't know I've I've been asked this question many times and I still don't know who it would be because I feel like you can take the sentimental route and be like, oh, my grandmother or my great-grandmother. Or you can be, you know, very academic with your answer and say, you know, <laughs> famous civil rights leader or a famous yeah. feminist. Or you can just yeah. say, hey, I want to go to dinner with, I don't know, Taylor Swift. Like, You know, honestly, there is one person, and this is odd and a very weird answer, but like, well, I guess it's not that weird. Oh, I don't know. Now I'm torn between like a few people. Let's hear it. Let's awful. hear it. I want to okay. hear the weird okay. one. Okay. Well, it's, I guess it's not weird, but it's a weird reason. I would want to go with Liam Hemsworth. Okay. And, and I <laughs> just recently, I guess I was watching, what's that? The movie with like Liam and Miley where they meet, like when oh, they met. It was like um, 10 years ago. I think it was like. A, yeah, 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 song. yeah. It was like PVR'd or something on like, I guess the neighbors had PVR'd it or something. Mm-hmm. And I just like passed it the other day and I was like, oh, right. This is, this is like when they met and I know now they're not together and she already has like a new boyfriend and I would just go because number one, I have a thing for Australian accents. <laughs> number two, like, why wouldn't you want to? I feel like he'd be a gentleman and he would also pay for my dinner. So that would be cool. <laughs> And then number three, like, I would stare at him a little, you know. <laughs> that as well. I don't know. That's a weird one. That's really weird. 
I don't know but why that's it. the first person. <laughs> I don't know why that's the first person that that's had to pop into my head. See, Couldn't I have had a better is, answer? <laughs> yeah, and this is why it's a rapid fire question because I feel like this is how yeah, you get to know people the most. You just gotta hear right off the top of your head what it is. Yep. <laughs> All right, great. I'm so glad this will be available for the world to hear. Oh boy. <laughs> I also need to ask you what's something in the top 10 of your bucket list? Whether it's like number Ooh. one, number two, or do you even have hmm. a bucket list? Is there anything that you would put on it? I just feel like my bucket list is essentially just my travel list. I don't know why that's like all I think of when I think of like bucket list. Like, I mean, I have goals, right? Like, I need, I want to get a house. Okay, you know what? You know what? There is one thing on my bucket list. And what is it? I feel like anyone listening to this ever in Toronto will just be like, yeah, okay. But I really want to go to Tom's Dairy Freeze. That is my, <laughs> that is, that is it. And in fact, I'm not even lying. I just told, I just told my mom the other day that when she came, we were going to like, she was supposed to come during the pandemic. And I just told her that we were going to go there. And I sent her a picture literally just the other day. I was just talking about it. And I got to tell is one you, thing. I've actually no. never been either. Oh, really? I've never been. <laughs> we should go together. So many, yeah, we should do it. Because there's so many yeah. things to do that are, you know, the typical Toronto snap a good yeah. that I've never done. And yeah, maybe, maybe it just looks so good. List, you know. Yeah, it looks so good. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> it looks so amazing. Um, oh, wait, while we're on while we're on this subject, I do have my second yeah. one. And my second one is also a bit of a weird. I want I want to go on any bike trail at all in Toronto because I'm like terrified to bike in Toronto. But you know, the what? trails, there's, especially the one along Lakeshore. Oof, it's really gorgeous. Awesome. And there's actually one near my house. I forget the exact name of it, but it goes from roughly like Dufferin Street all the way to Young. And it's really nice. It's oh, really? Kind of like a, yeah, it's all shaded by trees. I forget the exact nice. name of it, but it's actually, it's really nice and it's pretty long, so. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I feel like there's so many in the city, and I always hear about people, people that bike, or, you know, so many people bike to work, and I know people that bike to school, and I'm always, like, shocked because I, I drive, and I see how awful drivers are to cyclists, but mm-hmm. then they always tell me, well, no, I just use the bike, like, you know, I can use the bike path, it's, like, five minutes from my house, and I'm just like, what bike path? I have no idea what you're talking about. It took me two years to find out that there's literally bike paths everywhere. So, yeah, it's a bit of a new bucket list item for me. Maybe that's I'll look one. Into that too. Because you're right, yeah. biking in Toronto is not the best sometimes. That's very true. Next, I wanted to ask, what is your greatest achievement? I also want to know your greatest failure. And let's talk about your greatest achievement and failures that have particularly happened while you have been at Ryerson the past few years. Okay, well, I guess I'll start with a kind of a failure. The best way to put it is, I think I didn't spend a lot of time on campus. I was in my lab and is the brand new Ryerson Urban Water Building, so it was super nice. Gorgeous. Um, yeah, yeah def- definitely liked being in there. I didn't really know any other places to like study or to sit. So I just didn't really spend a lot of time on campus unless I had to be there already. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of sucked because when I look back on it, it meant that there was all these times like sports events where I went and watched in my undergrad. I didn't do it all in my master's and I didn't even, I, I think I went to the gym on campus like twice 
Uh, I didn't yeah. even know where the bookstore was until a few months <laughs> ago when it had already closed during the pandemic. Like I, oh um, I really didn't know where anything was at all. Um, the mm-hmm. whole two years, I just, I mean, I don't even know how to say the name the, of the building that my supervisor's office is in. Is it Jorgensen? Is it like Scandinavian? <laughs> like, do you say it with like a Y? Like, is it Jorgensen? Is it I've been saying Jorgensen? I don't even know. I have no idea how you even say it I yeah so that's I that's that's that moving on from that great fact I think the biggest maybe accomplishment I think I tried a lot of stuff and really only academically but I took extra courses courses that I did not have to take it worked out because because my actual program there was a bit of a variety Mm -hmm. of courses to take so I took you know some like spatial courses I took some environmental courses I took some science courses I took some like policy courses kind of had like a really big spread and again mm-hmm. like it's probably just because the program is interdisciplinary so yeah. I'm like I'm able to take so many different courses so that was kind of nice I guess I was used to that for my undergrad just having so many random courses <laughs> it worked but because my 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 thesis I was waiting on data and I actually had time to take all these extra courses um mm-hmm. so that was kind of nice now I have not only did I get the experience and the knowledge from all the different disciplines but also like I saw instructors and met instructors and all the different programs and disciplines and with different backgrounds and heard their stuff and um got to know people in my class maybe better or got to know people in a different program altogether so I think that was probably something that I liked. I liked mm-hmm. having a bit of variety and change. So that was that was good, I think. I don't think a lot of people do that in my program. I think they kind of stick to yeah. the similar interest courses, which yeah. maybe maybe I should have, but yeah, I definitely didn't. Cuz your program is quite small, isn't it? I think there's like 16 people in my year. So I'm not sure whether that's big or small, honestly. I think it's probably a little bit on the bigger side compared to things that I'm used to at least mm-hmm. in Manitoba but again I don't know if that is because the program is interdisciplinary so there's people with all different backgrounds in it but um it is capped at like 20 so we work under the maximum but yeah it was definitely a variety of people and courses and very interdisciplinary what would you say is majority of people, what do they focus on in terms of, you know, their research? Or is it so diverse that you can't really say? Yeah, it's it's so spread. There's people from all different backgrounds. I mean, there's because the program is environmental, applied science and management, people tend to focus purely on the science or purely on the management, like the policy side. So it's definitely, I think that's the only real grouping I can say, which is still so open. I mean, there's people with you know, undergrad degrees in law, in computer science, in ecology, in business, there's anything, and you name it, architecture, anything, anything at all. So it's, I think that's why there's so many like diverse courses that are offered in the program, because it tries to like match those needs of Mm -hmm. all the different people. So I think when I started, I didn't really like that. Actually, Mm -hmm. I think I wanted something just strictly related to what I was interested in. So it was kind of hard to adjust to that. But then I think now in my last year, I realized that if I had just stuck to the same couple topics, like the same, you know, same thing as my research, after two years, I probably would have been 
so bored. <laughs> I yeah. think it was nice and looking back. I think I enjoyed having that variety and like getting to do some you know, geography, getting to do some ecology, to do some molecular, but like just getting like all the different stuff was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Next, I'll ask you, what do you want to do in the future? And, you know, planning on defending your thesis, you're going to graduate this year, we're speaking it all into existence. (laughs) And do you have any plans for the future? Do you know what you want to do? Do you know if you want to study and do a PhD? This is the big question, I guess. Very big question. Um, (laughs) I, I do know that I want to do my PhD. My future is very open right now, very open. I hopefully will be defending and will be graduating this fall, I guess. So mm-hmm. should be done in the next two months. Okay. This is my hope. Now, what actually comes, I I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know what I'm going to do when, after I graduate. I eventually will do my PhD, but that will come in the future, mm-hmm. probably next year. So not this not 2020 but probably 2021 I think I need to take a year and figure out where I want to go like I know what I want to do I just I'm not sure where I'm gonna go like I took a year between my undergrad and my grad like my master's yeah and I worked and I like just kind of like figured all that out and made sure that I knew I wanted to move across the country so I think before I make a rash decision again I'm gonna do the same thing and yeah see what happens you know and I think that's smart and it's definitely something I'd like to do as well because you feel so rushed to get everything done, but actually like taking a step back and having a little breather is really, really helpful (laughs) to clear your head and get everything in line. Yeah. I also kind of want to be open. Like I, I mean, like there's nothing wrong with like jumping from one thing to another, if that works for you. But I think like, I want to, I don't want to like settle. Does that make sense? Like I, I know I want to do my PhD and I know like the topic and I kind of have a general idea of what I want to do, mm-hmm. but I mean, a master's is two years. And if you think about it, one year in to your master's, you need to already figure out what you're going to be doing when you're done because yeah. you're done the next year. So two years is just, is so, so fast. You're trying to get all of your stuff done and then also figuring out what you're going to do in like, you know, less than a year. I mean, last summer, I would have had to started talking to potential supervisors for my PhD. And wow. I'd only even been in the program. I hadn't even been in the program for nine months and I would have had to already started talking to people. So I think like that jump from master's to PhD, you know, like I really like my project and I really like everything, but I think going to a new school and getting new exposure is like super beneficial. And mm-hmm. if I had stayed, in the same university from my undergrad to my to my master's I know my perspective would have just been so small on yeah. like my subject area so I think that's something I really want to do again is go to another university because it'll only give me like a more bigger perspective so I yeah. just I want to make sure that I go and I get a good opportunity and again like yeah I would have had to have started talking to people last summer if I wanted to do a PhD starting this fall. So that's just like so fast for me. Yeah, no, I get it. And what do you plan for your topic? Like, what do you want to focus on? So I guess I could go like two, there's two things that I've been interested in and have the most experience in and that I see myself doing in the future. One is water quality and hydrology. I've been into agriculture and the impacts on water and water quality. Really like my 
my whole undergrad and now my whole master's is really focusing on that. Mm-hmm. So I think I could probably do the most with that. I'm just having like big, like the strongest background in that. However, recently I have been more and more interested in like cold regions, hydrology. Okay. So through my master's, I realized how much we don't know about, you know, snow and all these impacts we might know like in an area so maybe back in the prairies where you have snow for six months of the year but in a place like this where you only have it for maybe two to three months and then it you know melts and then freezes and then melts like we don't know a lot so yeah I really want to do something like that but that's kind of shocking to me because that's something that like you know one year ago even I hadn't thought about doing for my PhD topic so yeah I got to start looking into that a bit more because I think I could see myself doing something in that field. So I guess we'll see. I'm definitely still open and hydrology in general has got a lot of interesting stuff. So I could, I could go, I could go a lot of ways, but those are the two that I'm definitely like leaning towards. Cool. So we've sort of been talking about some pretty heavy stuff. So we'll take it down a notch and ask, uh, what's your favorite hobby? Oh man, I'm gonna, I, I just sound like such a loser answering this because <laughs> I hardly do anything lately. All I do is work and school. But if I were to look back, you know, when I had more free time and didn't feel so nervous and anxious and stressed over school, I think my favorite hobby would be like a mix of things. I definitely don't like sitting around a lot or all day. So in my free time now, I generally try to like go do something like see something outside so like go for a hike go to the beach go swim go I don't know anything go find a new trail anything like that really something outside so Mm -hmm. I guess when I used to have more free time that usually meant like going fishing going boating really just like reading outside anything outside honestly just anything outside where it's quiet and peaceful definitely better than my hobbies I find I especially now all I do is watch Netflix and I barely even read like sometimes I just can't even find time to read yeah you know I look back at who I was before I started my master's and I had that year off where I was just kind of working and taking like I I think I I did take a a few courses but it was Mm -hmm. like part-time and I literally went to hot yoga like every second night and I went to the gym I played soccer I like I went on a hike like every second weekend. I was in a field if I wasn't. I missed that time where I was Mm -hmm. very peaceful and don't like sitting around so much. It's really hard. But, you know, in Toronto, though, like once you have a lot of money um, and patience commuting, it's really hard to do a lot. Like I don't blame you. It is. I I don't do a whole lot unless I'm not in Toronto. Yeah, it is yeah. hard. I think it's just being here my entire life. You almost feel like, oh, there's there's nothing quite to do. and Yeah, or the thing you want to do, it'll take you an hour to TTC there. Mm-hmm. And if you drive, then you have to pay $30 for parking. Not to mention <laughs> the wait will be 45 minutes. And once you get there, you're going to be packed and crammed with people. Exactly. Not to like, not to hate on Toronto. It's just there's <laughs> when you're trying to have like a peaceful hot yoga class and the you can't even put your arms out because there's so many people. It's no longer peaceful. You want to <laughs> sit and sit in the waterfront and just like look at the water and I don't know watch the waves. Well, unless it's raining, there's like 40 other people beside you. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's it's hard to have like peaceful times. I think. That's maybe why I stay home a lot, because it's much 
quieter than when I go places. Cheaper um, and takes some yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to, like, do homework, and even when I was in school, I would still make time. Like, I, I could still go to the gym, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. I know here, when I go to the gym, I have to wait for machines, and I have to wait for equipment. <laughs> There's no way I can go in and, like, get my workout done and come out in a decent time where unless you know you're going in a time that's probably inconvenient for you too uh, yeah so it's hard to do that I, I agree it becomes almost an event it takes time yeah. to get there and then being there you have to wait around yeah like you said you have to wait around for people to stop getting on the equipment there's so many people there and it's a lot <laughs> yeah that's that's one thing I'm like very interested in to see how schedules work for the gym if they if they do that like every everywhere else is kind of doing where you have to like sign up for a time slot that could honestly be super awesome assuming you actually get a time slot like it could be awesome because you could get in do everything you need like super fast you don't have to wait you're like motivated because you didn't have to sit and wait for like 10 minutes it'd be really good it could be very productive I think yeah there's, yeah, there's a lot nice. of COVID changes that we might just want to keep around forever because it makes things much easier. So we'll yeah, yeah, it'll be an interesting six months, and mm-hmm. that's for sure. So as much as I'd love to stay in chat for another hour, I'll let you get back to whatever you were doing today, whatever hobbies you were getting off to. Right. So thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast, taking some time out of your day to sit and chat with me. I have no, thanks. I learned yeah. a lot about you. Yeah, no problem. I love talking about myself, clearly, so it's all good. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Marissa. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks. Bye.